You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, since we last spoke, there's been a few ups and downs in the market, mostly downs. And yes, it's, mostly it, downs. Yeah. Mostly downs. I mean, today we're doing quite well because the JSE, I think, is up around about between 1.5% and 2%, uh, but the semantics yeah. need not detain us. But the point is, it's coming off a low base, but it, it, it genuinely feels like a sell the rallies rather than buy the dips market. What do you think? I mean, you're not a short-term trader, you're a long-term investor for your clients at FMB, but even you must think to yourself, yeah, it's slightly worrying. Yeah, look, I do agree with you. It's 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 sell the sell the 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 bounces going up. Sell the sell the the up days and hope for the best. Mm. Look, Lindsay, I mean, it's 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 all. There's a few things happening now. In that, we are returning to a normal economic environment after ten years of absolutely abnormal conditions. You know, post the global financial crisis until a year ago, conditions were unprecedented. They were abnormal. They were abnormally good. And now we are now just to just returning to a far more normalized economic environment. And that, unfortunately, when you're going from extremely good from what would what did um Alan Greenspan say excessive exuberance. What was it? Uh, irrational exuberance, actually. Irrational exuberance. Mm. Well, to a, a period of more normality. Right. That the adjustment is painful. So what we are doing now, forget about the 8% inflation, because I don't think that is going to be sustained. Okay, so I, I really don't think that's going to be sustained. No, you, you're of the contention that it will be uh, a 25 to 3.5% in a year's time. 35 yeah. I yeah. don't agree with you, so but I, anyway, we agree to disagree on this one. Anyway, yeah. go on. So what we're going to what? So inflation now is going to return, in my view, to between 3 and 4%. Um, and if I'm correct on that, then that would be a normal inflation, you know, a normal trading range for in, in in inflation nothing abnormal about that yeah and i'm just trying to caught up when in, when did inflation actually start to go up it's strongly i'm just saying it, it, it was it, this time last year it, exactly this time last year a little bit uh, earlier than that and there were the, the the signs of it but yes uh, statistically probably you're, you're quite right around started about this time in the last year. yeah it started to it, take it, off it started then. it started in march last year mm -hmm. at two percent it was 1.7 then it went to two then in april it went to four and in may it went to five so it's a year ago that inflation started picking up Picking up strongly, obviously. So that's the first factor. We're returning to a normality, and normality is inflation between, let's choose wide bands, 3 and 5%, and interest rates between 3 and 5%. Maybe 5 is a bit higher, let's say 3 and 4%. Now, this is, this is normal. Okay. However, the equity market valuation is based on inflation at effectively zero and interest rates at zero. So the adjustment in the equity market back to normality is what we're experiencing now. Yes. Now, there are two seriously large mitigating factors in comparison to what you would normally expect when, you, when, when you're going from 
an abnormally low interest rate environment back to a normal interest rate environment. Uh, normally, you would expect a market to correct, but massively, 50% fall, yeah. simply because the quantum change in interest rates is astonishing of such a, of a zero-based. Well, it's in, you can't compute it. You know, the percentage change in interest rates, we've never experienced this before. But there's two very large mitigating factors as to why, if I'm right in, and inflation goes to more normal levels in six months or a year's time, yeah. will we'll, we'll save the market from an extremely severe correction. Because there's no the consumer first, debt. Is that what you're going to say to me? There's no consumer debt. There yes. we go. There's no debt bubble. There's no banking system debt bubble. And there's no corporate debt bubble. There's a government debt bubble, but that we don't have to worry about today. No. They can the second money. mitigating, hmm. they can and, and higher inflation increases their tax revenues and blah blah blah. Right, you know, nominally because when they issue a bond, the interest rate stays fixed and for the complete duration of that bond, but their income is, li is linked. So an, an expense is fixed, but the income is linked to inflation. So it's not a worry for us today. The second mitigating factor, which isn't as big as the first one, but it's very specific for South Africa is that the commodity companies effectively went bankrupt in 2015 and they spent no capex and they still haven't spent much capex even though they've got the money now so whatever happens to the underlying demand and the underlying economy during this period of high interest rates there will be a far more muted effect on falling commodity prices because there is no absolute wall of new supply coming on stream which is what you would normally expect during any phase like this because what happens is during the good years commodity companies make money and they just spend like there's no tomorrow but they have to because they've got to replenish their resource and then as the economy peaks all of those new projects comes on come online and as the economy starts to fall or the growth rate starts to fall you get this tsunami of new supply coming on stream and you end up with iron ore at $20 a, a ton. <laughs> and, you know, so that's not going to happen. So iron ore, no. can, iron ore can fall to 50, it can fall to 60, it can fall to 80, but it's highly unlikely to fall to 20. And that will save us, as South Africa in particular, bearing the, the – normally we bear the brunt of any global downturn because commodities, as I've just explained, normally they have this big supply coming on stream and they just, and the prices just totally and utterly collapse and then the rand collapses and our economy collapses and we're in more trouble than the rest of the world. This time around, I think we'll be guarded from that. So if I'm right in all of this long, long story here, yeah. I would think the markets have done 60 to 70% of the correction that's necessary to start to reflect reality. Okay, so there's 40 to 50% to, to, to go, if because wrong, you said 60 to 70% has already been done, but that happened. implies there's another, there's another 30, 40% to go. Yes, and I still think there's more to come. If I'm wrong and you're right, mm. yeah, if I'm wrong and you're right, yes. there's still another 200% to go. In other words, we've only had 30% of the fall. You've always said, Wayne, that you thought that uh, if this happens and that happens and this doesn't happen and this does happen, then there's going to be a 40% fall. 
And that would be, or you, actually the word you used was catastrophic. If interest rates went here and if this happened and again yeah. this particular circumstance uh, occurred, there would be a 40% fall or even even yeah. worse. We've had, even 25, well, we, we had, we've had 25% we've had 20, on the NASDAQ. We've had 25% on the NASDAK Oh, we've had more already. than that in the NASDAQ. NASDAQ's NASDAQ, 30. Oh, uh, S&P 500 is more like 20. These are big moves. So maybe the S&P. Yeah, it's a big loser. That's a proper bear market. And I was talking to you, to our friend um, Shapiro the other day, and we often reference him when we're talking together uh, because yes. he's a good friend of ours. And he, always, in, always in the most encouraging way, in the most flattering way. We've for never ever been nasty never about him. Never demeaning about him. No, yeah. we've never ever been nasty about him. And uh, you, know, you can't the, be nasty about him. You can't be. Who can be nasty about Shapiro? But anyway, mm -hmm. the point is, let's not get too affectionate about Shapiro, David Shapiro from Sasson Securities. Let's talk about something that I've never heard from him in the last week or so, because I speak to him twice a week. He wasn't his bullish self he said no, but look, this look, is Shapiro, different no but before you no, before you make your comment yeah. he was in a different mood when i spoke to him he said mm. he'd never seen any he's been through so many bear markets and so many bull markets as you have and as i have but he said he's never really experienced the sort of mood in the market that he's seeing at the moment and that sort of disturbed me because he's a wise man i mean never mind the fact that he's very yeah. affable and gregarious and everything and, and we like him for all his little quirky um comments and, and everything mm. i'd never heard anything like it and it, and it I, I sat down after the interview and i thought He's changed his mood, and that is quite impactful, yeah. I think. What do you think? Yes. Look, Shapiro is not a bear market guy. Mm. <laughs> he's not a bear market guy. He loves the bull market. He's, he's got his horns out there most of the time. He, he's, not, he's not a good bear market guy. He's that, constantly that, that, got the horn. affects his psyche. Mm. And just by the way, mm. ultimately in investments, you have to be a bull market guy because markets go up over time. Of course you do. You know, there was that one 10-year period from 2002 through to 2012. When was it? 2008 that the U.S. market did zero. It's only 10-year period where the U.S. market did nothing. But markets go up. So over time, you know, you've got to be bullish on, on shares over time. And quite frankly, you could do – you would be a very good investor if – after a big correction, and maybe that's now, I don't know, but after a big correction, just put all your money into an index, you know, choose a global index, choose, you know, choose a, a global, a world index, put your money in the index and then never touch it again. Don't worry about trying to call the next bear market. Don't worry too much about anything else. Just leave it well alone and you will, you will be a reasonably good investor. You don't have to try and pick the winning shares or the winning sector or the winning country or the winning currency because that's difficult. That you, 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 you can make mistakes with by doing that. And you just let it run. You will do reasonably well over time. You don't need me in your life. You don't need Shapiro in your life. You just let it run. You've got to have time on your side. You can't do it. You know, don't don't expect this to pay off after five years or ten years because you might just be unfortunate and catch another bear market. But over 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 decades, if you're a young person in your twenties or thirties or forties, if you had to do that, you would be reasonably successful over time.
Do you think, though, that, uh, and we keep on referencing uh, Shapiro, but let's talk about you now. Mm. Do you think that people need people like you? In other words, for example, yes. uh, back in 2000 and, gosh, when did the pandemic come? No, 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 I'm sorry, not the pandemic. That was uh, two, two and a bit years ago. When the uh, financial crisis Eight. precipitated the S&P down to the number 666. Yeah. You could have received a client, for example, a, a private client or an institutional client, and it was down at 666. And you could have thrown a dartboard at any index, any, bought anything, yeah. anything, and you you could have bought Except it. Except commodities, by the way. Commodity shares still fell. Well, they well, fell till 2015. You could have bought any, uh, any major aggregated index, yes. index anyway, and you would have made money over the next 10 years. And, and uh, over fist, yeah. Precisely. Where do we stand now? But you, but you at the moment, you are earning your monthly envelope uh, because the markets are yeah. relatively elevated. Okay, the Nasdaq's come down twenty five percent or thirty percent, and the S and P's down nearly twenty percent, etc. That's where you've got to earn your money as a as a stock picker. Yeah. Uh, but do you, do you believe that you need people like Wayne McCurry in your investment? Let me world? answer that. In, let me answer. Let me give you two answers. One, the first one's not a direct answer. Mm. The only thing I'm truly confident in investments in doing is after a major bear market to buy shares. It's the only time I feel truly confident about making an investment decision where my chances of success are probably greater than 80%. Is it when a market cracks like 2008 or 2002 or after the COVID thing hit, you just close your eyes, you put aside all the negative thoughts and you buy. Right. That's the only time I, I truly feel confident in giving investment advice or making a decision. All the rest of the time, any other time in the market, you get some right, you get some wrong. If you're good, and when I say good, it doesn't mean skill. Maybe it's just pure luck. But if you're good, you're going to only get 60% or 55% of those calls right. That's why I firmly and truly believe in a diversified portfolio. Okay, now to answer your second question, does the market, does Joe Average, Joe Citizen out there, Pit van der Merwe, George Shabalala, do they need a Wayne McCurry or a David Shapiro in their life? The answer is yes, but not, I don't think, for the reasons that people would automatically think. First of all, you would hope that a David Shapiro or a Wayne McCurry or any other investment manager, investment advisor, won't make a dog's breakfast of your investments. If they'll always do a reasonably good job. But that's not why you need them. You need them because you're human. Yes. You need someone to phone and say, please help me. I need advice. What's happening in the market? But you do you do that, Wayne? Do you, do, yes. do, you, do you receive calls from yes. uh, concerned investors and you say, listen, sit yes. down, Mr. Robinson or Mrs. Robinson, yes. and and say, everything's fine. Look at the long-term graph yes. and you'll see that back in 87 this happened. You reassure and back in people. 98, you, 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 you talk do. to people. Do you? Okay. You try and help them in the good years and you try and comfort them in the bad years. I mean, I get – I give not now during COVID, but – my life essentially is going out and talking to clients and giving presentations and meeting people. That's my job, yes. essentially. Yeah. I mean, I do investments as well on the sideline almost. <laughs> but my job is essentially talking to people and listening to them and answering questions and 
directly and indirectly. I mean, indirectly I do via Twitter. Indirectly I do via numerous calls like we having now and TV and printed articles and replying to journalists and yes. talking to journalists. That's what I do. Mm. So, so are we needed? Yes, but only because we're human. Because the client, let's say the client is, the people who use our services are human. And being human, they're not a machine that they need someone who they perceive knows more about markets than what they do. And I'm not saying that's a guaranteed because no one knows the future. I mean, absolutely no one knows the future. Of course they don't. With any great degree of, of certainty. Even Elon but, Musk so doesn't know I the think, future. I think, it, I think it is necessary. I, I think it performs a vital service to investors, but it's not the vital service that you would think it is, which is giving you top quartile performance or making you, you know, get rich quick or making, you know, you know, as I said earlier on, I assume that the person helping you or the person you're taking your advice from doesn't make a dog's breakfast of your investments because that can obviously also happen. That they do, you know, that over time because you use this person's advice or that person's actual services or they managed your portfolio, that you would come out in the middle of the pack somewhere or maybe in the top half of the pack somewhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, you actually, you actually, I mean, it's a strange thing to say, you're actually a psychologist. I've always said that to people. I, I've, I've said so many times over the last few years, I said, you have to be an amateur uh, psychologist yes. or psychoanalyst as a, as an investment person when you're interacting with clients. So some people just, uh, you know, buy stuff and then send the results out to their, 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 their board and everything's fine. They don't actually yeah. speak to the clients. But you obviously speak to clients. But that's and, wrong. And you go and, and, you go and Look, give some, the some some investment people, Some investment people are total nerds, essentially. And, and, and most, not most investment people, let me rephrase that. Mm. A lot of investment people think that they are somehow superior to their client. Man, why must I bother about a client? Look at me, I'm a big investment manager, I'm a, I'm a BSD, yeah? and, and why should I even talk to a client? I mean, sure, that the, the marketing people can do that. Some, some, some investment people have huge egos, mm. and I think that's one of the most dangerous things in investment for an investment person is to have a huge ego. Because unless you're Warren Buffett, and I'm sure it's even happened to him, you get your bum kicked often, boy. He was, but market. he was always humble. Buffett was always humble. There's one. You know, unless, you know Buffett, Buffett is maybe the one person you could afford to be uh, 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 egotistical and aloof, but he's not. But most investment managers, most arrogant investment managers, are not Warren Buffett. And and I, I've never ever understood how number one you can feel intellectually superior to your clients, mm. because more than likely you're not. You just know more about investments and you may have studied more, but you're not clever. You're not better than what they are. Okay. And secondly, they pay your salary. Precisely. You know, you know, you know, client is king, yeah? Client comes first. Of course. And I've never understood that about investment people. And a lot of investment people are actually introverts now i'm also a total and utter introvert but i'm a different kind of introvert 
And investment people sometimes stand up in a presentation and they try and get as technical as possible to somehow show that they're clever. And then the client doesn't understand their presentation and what they're saying. They're impressed. They might be impressed with some algorithm or some very fancy thing that this person's talked about. They'll, they'll sit back and say, you, that person's clever, but they didn't understand what you were saying. They got no clue of what message you tried to get across. So yeah, I've, I've always, um, I've always firmly believed that you've got to talk to the clients and you've got to talk in understandable language. And it's not being condescending. When you give a presentation to anyone, your primary concern in that presentation is the client must understand what you're talking about. Of course, it's all to do with communication. And it's interesting yes. you talk about introversion because people assume, uh, for example, I'm talking about myself now, people assume that if you're on television, which I was, if you're on radio, which I was, and if you're a podcaster, which I am, that you are an extrovert. But no. I, I, went to, I, I went to a GP uh, one day for some minor ailment, and he said, what do you do? I said, well, I do this, this, and this. And he said, um, well, what's it like? Do you, do you like doing it? I said, yes, I do. He said, but you're an introvert. You're, when you're on television, you're looking at one camera or two cameras. If you're a radio presenter, you're looking at one microphone. If you're a podcaster, you're on one microphone as well. And you're not in a big space with, with, with loads of people. So you're not gregarious. And he says, you're an introvert. And he said he'd seen so many people, a couple of famous people in South African broadcasting. And he said, they're exactly the same as you. They're, they're scared. Yeah. They're, they're almost agrophobes. They're sociophobes. I know I'm a complete introvert, but I, I don't mind standing up in front of people and talking and being gregarious and telling jokes and that. Mm. But I wasn't when I started, so I've just learned how to do it. I've just, it hasn't been, it's not scary for me anymore because I've done it 2,000 times. Same as me. You know, but the first 500, the first 500 wasn't easy. It's very, very difficult, Wayne. It, it really is. But the worst thing for me, and we're talking, we're going to talk about food in a minute, is if I had to stand in front of a 1,000 people, I'd just look at the back of the room, and I've done that b before at the Cape Town International uh, Convention Centre. I've looked at the back of the room. There's been a 1,000 people there, and it's been so full that people are sitting on the floor because they haven't got the uh, seats. And I'm just looking mm -hmm. at the back and just thinking I'm only talking to one person. I find it very, very difficult. But anyway, I'm talking about myself no, now, no, which I is wrong. I've done it so many times now, I haven't... It's not a problem for me at all anymore. No. I've done it so many times, but it was terrifying when I started. It was completely and utterly terrifying. But anyway, yes. Okay, let's talk about food now. You haven't got a food story for me, uh, for me because we I spoke about it. I haven't. I haven't, unfortunately, other than going for my favorite Sunday roast, mm. which was once again just too fantastic for work. In oh. fact, I have got a little food story. My, okay, cool. my, 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 my partner went on a company strategy thing and she, she went and stayed over at the hotel where they were having the strategy on Monday night. So now I'm alone, yeah? So I went to Checkers and I bought this and that and Checkers had a Spanish, a Spanish meat parcel mm. and I forget its name, but it's a new range they've got called Street Food. 
And it was like a mini little pie with savory beef filling. Yes. And you grilled it in the oven till the little pie pastry was crisp. And it was totally and utterly delicious. I really enjoyed it. It was it was quite burny. It, you know, it was quite hot, but it was really nice. I liked it. Would you have had so it there's if a you, pun for checkers there. Would you have had it if your partner was there, or was this just a, a solo Probably thing? Probably yes, but I, ju- I just had to sort myself out. Mm. Yeah, I had to, I had to sort chow out. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Wayne? Not that I th- don't cook when my partner's there, but I don't have to... You know, there's always a plan that's made in the, the morning. We're having this and that. Will you cook it or I'll cook it? So there's always a plan, but then I was caught without a plan. Okay, which is not not good for a person in your position. But, uh, Wayne, I, I think we've sort of touched on this issue before, but do you ever wake up and in, in the morning or you, after you've worked, you say, I need something? Does your body tell you that you need something? Last night, for example, my body told me and, that yeah. I needed protein, so I ordered ribs, I mean, pure protein. I ordered the most delicious ribs and chicken wings, and I scoffed myself like a it's maniac. Often, no, no. Unfortunately, my body just tells me I'm hungry. It doesn't crave after anything in particular. <laughs> it just says, now and again, I get a craving for shellfish. I'll, I must be honest and say okay. I need shellfish. But right. unfortunately, my body just says to me I'm starving. And on a fairly regular basis, unfortunately. Are you hungry now? I'm always, as I said, unfortunately, I am. Mostly hungry, especially after our, our conversations. What are you going to have tonight? I just, Every Wednesday, yeah. What are you going to have tonight? For example, is your partner still away? I'm not. No, 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 no. It's only the one night. The one night she was away. Oh, she's back. I think okay. we might be having biltong soup tonight. <laughs> no, no, totally no, 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 no. Please. What do you mean biltong? Soup? No, you've never. There's no biltong such thing soup. as biltong soup. No, there is. You buy it at Checkers. You buy it at Pick and Pay. You buy it at Woolworths. Ready made. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. This is not a a, a little private meal. We, mm. we buy a packet and we eat it up. No, no, it's uh, it's delicious. Eh? It's some nice bread or, or or Melbourne toast. It's really nice. <laughs> Never heard of that biltong soup, but biltong is one of the finest things in the world. It might be a unique, a new, a uniquely South African thing. Yes, of course, it's uniquely South African. By the way, when we were talking about uh, seventeen minutes ago, uh, the S and P futures were up just over one percent. They're now only yeah. up half a percent. The markets are all over the place. We'll see anyway, what happens. Yeah. yeah, we'll make sense of this in the weeks to come. Wayne McCurry is from yeah. FNB Wealth and Investment. That was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.